This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Jeff Grang, co-founder and CPO at Purchasely. Jeff, welcome to the Business Hubs podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Terrific. Thank you for coming. All right. Apple launched subscriptions on the App Store back in February 2011. 11 years ago, actually more than 11. Today, when you think about what apps powered by this business model, it's obvious that it's way more than paying to stream media content on a monthly basis. It's about gaming, fitness and health, photography, education, and much more. The reason why Apple introduced this model was to give app developers a new way to generate revenue. Its introduction took place right after Apple launched the daily app for News Corp, and this saw an opportunity for app developers on the platform to make money this new way. By the way, the idea was daily app didn't go very well. If I remember correctly, it was shut down like a year after, but still, app subscriptions stayed and thrive today. It made absolute sense to give developers an alternative to solely be focused on acquiring more and more users for, for the apps to power business. So now they could financially support their app business on a monthly basis with existing customers. It'd be more financially secure to grow their app user base. Today, we're talking with Jeff about how to sustain your app subscription revenue via improving your app subscription funnels. But first, Jeff, let's start with talking about you a bit. Tell us about yourself, please. Yeah, uh, this reminds me a lot of things about whole uh, we've been through since the very beginning of the app stores. And um, I was in this very beginning uh, as I was among the first 500 beta testers of uh, iOS 2 and the iPhone SDK uh, oh. back, back in that time, yeah. I released an app, I think, like 11 days after the App Store opening in uh, in uh, end of July, beginning of August uh, 2008. So that was a long time ago. And at that time, we only had once one business model, which was free or paid apps with no subscription, etc. So you're totally true on everything you've said, like more sustainable uh, revenue streams for app developers and independent, especially as the number of users was not growing as fast as in the very early days of the App Store. I was also, uh, uh, well... I was also in um, seeing all these evolutions, etc. I developed apps uh, since uh, day one. Um, I also helped a lot of companies develop their apps, a lot of startups, but also settled companies. I had um, I had like eight uh, App of the Year awards by Apple, uh, and all during all that journey, developing fifty apps, I think something like that. Um, I really felt like we had a pain in the apps with these subscriptions. Uh, implementing them, getting the most out of them. And what I saw is that a lot of people were uh, just doing uh, the minimum required features, but couldn't like leverage uh, all the, uh, what the subscription and the uh, in-app purchases had to offer. And that's why uh, in 2019 with my two associates, we started Purchasely and we started like really selling this product 18 months ago. And we now have several hundred customers, uh, several hundred apps, in uh, I think more than twenty countries right now, uh, for the uh, for our customers. So it's 
something that is really a top of mind for a lot of people around the globe. And uh, we are really trying to um, to help our customers uh, on, on that journey. Yeah, you know what? Um, my impression is that platforms for developers, uh, the best ones are done by developers themselves who had the previous experience of developing apps on their own. They know their pain points. They know exactly what things should be fixed. So that's like the perfect um, background for launching your own service. And then you're not like, uh, you can basically <laughs> save a little bit on research because, you know, your basic premise for the applicate for the platform you're launching is your own experience. Uh, so yeah, and that's impressive. If you launched the apps back in the day in 2008, I uh, I don't think I had an iPhone back then because I got my iPhone a couple of years later. <laughs> I uh, started with an iPad Touch actually. Uh, yeah, iPad I, Touch, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you, you couldn't purchase the original iPhone everywhere and make it work, etc. You had to jailbreak it, etc. So, but mm -hmm. I, I started with an iPad Touch as a developer because I was young and uh, didn't have any money to pay for the original iPhone back in the days, especially the carrier plan that goes with it. <laughs> but you, that's true. And what we are to, today, we you said you're doing a, a developer tool, etc. But we are more a marketing tool because uh, when it comes to subscription, implementing, originally implementing and doing all the plumbing is something. But when you've implemented that version, this is where the marketing starts playing with it and they need a lot of tools to launch their campaign, etc. And this is really where we are bringing value. So our core persona at Purchase is really marketers and product managers. Gotcha. Um, so you're covering the marketing side for people uh, to be focused on developer on development. Okay. App subscription model. Uh, let's give a definition uh, for a funnel. App subscription funnel. What is it? Yeah, so a funnel is basically all the steps that makes a user actually uh, subscribe and become the most profitable as possible for you. Uh, basically, the funnel illustrates the idea that um, every sale begins with a large number of potential uh, customers and ends up with a much smaller number of people mm -hmm. because you're losing people at every step. Um, of course, the subscription funnel and the app subscription funnel depends on your uh, on your app, if you have a hard paywall, if you have a trial, etc. But basically, it starts with an install. Then someone views your paywall, starts your trial, will convert to your trial, renews one time, two times, three times, etc. So you know that you will be losing some people at every step. And this is what an app subscription funnel is. It's important to know all these steps because you'll be able to measure efficiently and compare yourself to other, other people in your market and other people globally uh, and know where to improve and where you are underperforming uh, so that you can... Uh, well, increase your revenues uh, based on subscriptions. Right. So app for subscription funnel, the funnel itself, it's a concept that should be familiar to people, pretty much every business on the planet, like in any brick and mortar business know there's a difference between people who are passing by their store, coming mm -hmm. in, ask a question, buy something and getting back next morning to buy the same stuff. It's just yeah. way more complicated when it's, <laughs> when it's about online, about mobile and about you know, app subscription model, when you do want to um, like keep the um, the whole premise of app subscription alive because it was promised as a way to sustain your business financially when you can just rely on some income that is coming in your account on a monthly basis from your active 
user base and work on increasing this uh, user base of your app. So the improving your funnel is to making sure that app subscription model is working for your business. So let's walk through the funnel, so to speak, and explain the every step, starting with the first one, introducing people to the paywall you have in your subscription app. So conceptually, what people need to understand about this step? Yeah, that's. Uh, I really like to say that the subscription starts even before that uh, paywall. It's when you'll be uh, on the App Store page, etc. The promise and the inception of you having a subscription model, uh, showing your value, etc. It all starts uh, with your first ad, then with the subscription, with your App Store page, and then with your paywall. But it, when it comes to paywall. Um, what is interesting to see is that uh, we have a lot of our uh, own customers at Purchasely that um, well have 80% of their uh, subscribers come from the day zero experience. So it's very important to, from the first payable that you will be showing to you, your customers, to raise the awareness on your business model, to explain your value, to demonstrate that value, to reinsure your users, but also to let your user test uh, your subscription so that they don't, um, well, they won't fear of uh, subscribing to something they haven't experienced yet. Um, and that first experience is really important because I, as I said, it's 80% of, uh, of some of our customers uh, that are subscribing from, they come from day zero. Uh, but you also have all these other users that will be subscribing later on. And as it's really important to be really generic in this first experience of paywall, when you have users that will be coming and coming back, et cetera, and you're trying to convert them, it's really important to get more specific, to get the most of, out of the knowledge that you have from your customers, from your CRM, to personalize that uh, paying experience to that audience, to a specific navigation, to where the user is actually in the app, what is what he has experienced before, what he's looking for right now. So it's important to like narrow uh, from something very generic to very specific uh, in your paywall experience and target your customers to with with specific paywalls. Exactly. So psychologically, think about it. Uh, when you're trying to convince somebody to give up, you know, a certain amount of his money for the product for the app once, that's one thing. But we're talking about you know the frame when people will be paying you on a monthly basis um when they open up their netflix app uh people who are paying for their subscription they they're not asking any questions they love the content so much the trust was built uh, months ago so everything works smoothly so that's that's your goal you should do explain people on the first step once they they encounter a paywall that there is there's a value in the app and there is a specific reason why they need to pay this monthly subscription it will make sense for them it will be advantageous for them not only for you as the app developer mm -hmm. right exactly. exactly so um trials trials and mobile apps uh what's important for app marketers uh, to know about these uh, just as what you were saying right now was really interesting and it's uh, trial really is an outcome of that. Uh, nobody, uh, everybody's not uh, Netflix. I mean, uh, you need to build the trust. People need to uh, to try you out or to know a little bit more. And sometimes a trial is, um, is a great uh, idea to, uh, well, to 
to fight for the fear of the subscription trap, you know. Um, you will have some people that we will be reluctant to subscribe and offering a trial uh, will let them, well, make the move, make a try, give it a try. Uh, and so that's really important because people need to be reinsured by the quality of your service, but also by the fact that they won't be trapped later on. Um, but a few things to know about the trial is that uh, it works in most cases. Um, uh, there are some few cases in which it doesn't work. It's, you will, you won't see a lot of dating apps with a trial because just when you will be unlocking the the subscription, you'll have access to all the profiles that liked you in the past, etc. The value uh, really doesn't last uh, that long. So that's not a model in which the trial is interesting. If you're not in that uh, in that case. The, the first question that our customers ask and that they try an A-B test with our solution is the, the trial length. Uh, because they are wondering how much time should I make a trial? Uh, should it last like three days, one week, two months, et cetera? Um, the, if, if you are about to, uh, if you're asking that question for yourself, uh, the best answer is how long do you think it will take for someone to discover your product enough? To want to subscribe to it you know what's the basic journey what are the different steps you want your user to pass through uh, that will make him a good potential subscriber so it needs first of all to know by your crm your analytics which steps uh, are all these um, well uh, high fidelity customers that you have subscribers that you have passing by and you need to make your users go through these steps during the trial frame. So it really depends of uh, the type of application. Apple has released a great study on a different category and how long the basic trial is, how long it is based uh, in, in each different countries or continent, etc. So it's really interesting um, to, to, to have a look at it. Uh, it's, uh, it's on their website. Uh, and basically it all comes up to, in the end, it's all your trial length must match the discovery time necessary for building high fidelity users. Exactly. Uh, the, you know, the, the whole concept of a trial period, uh, you know, obviously predated mobile. Uh, we used to get the, you know, every um, piece of software um, you can think of the popular one had a trial period. So you can make up your mind. Does it work for you? Could be any app for business, for leisure. It's just uh Right now, it's um, it's important for app subscription because some people are easy to make a decision. Like they can instantaneously see the value in the app. They don't need that period of discoverability. They're okay. Just they may be at the easiest probably audience you can deal with. Other people need more time to uh, study the app more. It's just the, maybe the way they use the app is a little bit different than the first uh, bucket I've just described. So they need that time frame, which Jeff is describing for you. You may take check out your competitors, the ones that are on the top of the popularity. If their trial period still there that length, it's obviously working for them, and they're not changing it. So you may use it as a guidelines, but but again, you have to think through yourself for your product first. Just use the, your competitors' kind of a general guidance, like the probably the the uh, limits, uh, you know, within which you have to decide how, how how many days exactly that period will be for your app, right? Yeah, you could you could also choose to like toggle on and off that uh, trial period or offer the trial only in some cases, some uh, mm -hmm. in some cases, so that you create that fear of missing out by the user. 
Um, and this is also uh, that that can also be used in uh, in such a way. Right. Now, the biggest challenge uh, for app marketers, which I bring up on this show over and over, retention. What retention rates app marketers should expect on average these days? And what can be done to increase it? Like, that's just the battle for uh, retaining people you're acquiring, for making sense of money you're spending on marketing and actually uh, making these people stay with your app uh, not leaving you like obviously they will be leaving it it's just the pipe dream to make sure the 100% of your app users are with you uh, months and months down the road it's impossible but there's always steps you can do to minimize those losses right yeah for sure for sure and um, what's uh, the, the first retention step is the one that comes from somebody doing a trial to converting to a paid customer and uh, what for the premium apps, uh, what we uh, we believe is a is a good number for from from a, well trial to paid is a sixty percent. Sixty percent is a good conversion rate to paid um, on the um, that that you could expect. So if you have something around that, you like shouldn't like hurry to try to improve that because uh, there might be other ways and other leaks that you'd like to plug before. Um, then you have the, the paid to one year retention really depends on the type of plan because uh, you're, we're, we're discussing only about monthly plans from the beginning. But of course, between the monthly and the yearly, there's a high difference, a lot of huge difference uh, because on a monthly plan, you have like 12 opportunities to churn in a year. Uh, and for the monthly plan, you if you are around 10, 15% of retention, so at the, at, at the end of one year, it's kind of a good number. Um, and on a yearly plan, you could expect 40%. So what that means is that um, it's really important to uh, try to make people subscribe to a yearly plan or, uh, well, six months or whatever, because you're going to keep them longer. Um, and so besides this number, um, um, you have a lot of things that you could try to improve, uh, to improve the, these numbers and even uh, even uh, do better than the numbers that I gave, which are average of uh, of uh, of uh, top performers. First of all, you can try to make people subscribe not to a monthly, but to two or three months, especially when there's a hurry for subscription. If you're working in education, you know that it's uh, it's a business in which like people are subscribing at certain period of the year. And you want to make sure that these guys, uh, if they are in a hurry to subscribe because they need the content, you don't want them to subscribe to just a monthly, but maybe a three months because you get them um longer than that and you have the chance to explain them after the urge like what you provide and not just for the golden pass that they came for mm -hmm. um the other thing is that you want to upsell users there's a lot there's there are actually very few application uh that when you're subscribed to a monthly plan and you're active on that monthly plan will offer you to do, turn turn it to a yearly plan for example but it's a good way of keeping your users longer and as you might know, I'm sure you know, um, the commission from Apple drops from 30% to 15% after a year. So you can even do offer that discount for free, you know. Um, so, well, upselling your users is also a great way of, uh, ret of retaining them, especially like focusing on your CRM of active users, happy users, and offer them the discount of maybe 20% if they subscribe to a monthly plan because you saw that they were active on the subscription, yeah. And um, well, of course, there are a few things that don't rely only on your subscription strategy. 
like creating continuous value, understanding why people actually leave your app, why they churn, uh, and improve the reason why they, <laughs> and try to fix the reason why they churn. It's too expensive. You have a new competitor. It's uh, maybe didn't bring any value or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, this is basically the things. And now, oh, yeah, I almost forgot one. There's <laughs> one that uh, is actually the easiest one to set up. It's like a 15-minute setup for our users' uh, purchase list, like involuntary churn. There's a lot of people that will churn just because their credit card is fired, you know. Uh, of course, the stores will handle some notifications, etc. But if you do your job, if you do your part, you can reduce by 30% that uh, involuntary churn, which can represent a lot of money at the end of the day, you know, especially because it's very simple to fix. You can like send even to your uh, CRM or emailing tool um, in real time that will trigger, uh, you know, uh, like a message and say, okay, you're going to lose your subscription in a few days to fix, uh, to fix your credit card. Click here. And um, for most of our customers, we have between 20 and 33% um, of a recovery uh, that we wouldn't have uh, otherwise if we hadn't uh, made that uh, small, like 15-minute automation uh, between purchase and your marketing tool. So it's really something that you can build with each of the stores uh, that will really pay off very quickly. Exactly. That's, that's actually a small but very important point. You may see these emails from, um, I don't know, Netflix or even Apple, where it mm -hmm. says there is a problem with your card. And that email does not come to you on the end of the month. It's a couple of weeks in advance. It gives you a time frame to fix the problem with the card, replace it, update. Um, basically, just uh, kind of a common sense. Uh, all people are, you know, living a bit or their busy lives. They may have, um, they may be not aware that there's a problem with a card. It would be really, really, I don't want to, <laughs> for lack of a better term, bummer to lose people because of a problem yeah. with the card. It's not their fault. It's not your fault. It's just a you know, stupid credit card invalidity. You can fix that. Okay. Uh, what would be uh, takeaways uh, for the app developers of, uh, the, the ways they can improve their um, app subscription funnel. Yeah, uh, um, first of all, you cannot improve your, your funnel if you don't measure. So you need to measure everything. You need to track everything and have consistent metrics for all your funnels at every step. Once you've done that, uh, what you will be able to do is like to test and improve each of these steps uh, and you know, trying to improve for everyone trying to improve the funnel for everyone. And once you've done a great job for everyone, you'll try to find the underperformers and try to move them to top performers, like doing some an approach from very generic to very specific approach for specific users, you know. Um, and then you can play with a lot of different variables. It can be priced, localized, localized priced, can be also like um, playing with the trial, with the package uh, composition. Uh, and you need to A-B test everything because the recipe that might be working for your competitors won't be working for you because you're not perceived in the same way as your competitors because your, your brain is maybe more powerful. Um, and so you need to test everything. You need to test even like um, increasing the price because we are always looking at reducing the price, but increasing the price might, be a might make a difference. Changing the trial, uh, do time-limited offers, 
Um, there's a lot of things to try. Uh, it, it's a full-time job. It's more than a full-time job for like top performers in subscription. They have full teams working on these uh, specific hacks. Uh, and try to do that, measure that, try to be efficient in testing also, uh, and measure everything. And uh, you'll gain like, 50, you can, in the very beginning, you can easily like have a 50% better conversion rate when you're a starter. You can, uh, and then you'll be improving like small percentage when you become bigger. But these small percentages on a uh, hundred thousands of subscribers also make a huge difference. So it's really a uh, putting yourself in a, in a in a mindset of testing, in a mindset of a growth hacker, uh, and also develop all the tools and build all the tools or use all the all the tools that will help you being efficient in that uh, in that uh, in that job. Great, Jeff. These are great points for developers to keep in mind and uh, fight for app users for their app subscription app. Now. I think throughout the years uh, in the app industry, you might have something about app marketing that you really would like to change. Is there something or was there something like that for you? Oh, oh this is basically what uh, made me create uh, Purchasely because um, as a developer, I was um, uh, I was always uh, asked to make these A-B tests, etc., to test different pricing models and changing a paywall. Uh, is really stressful for a developer because you don't want to break anything, uh, and this is really the reason why. And and when you when you spent like uh, a lot of time and uh, uh, sweat, tears, and bloods on a paywall, and that uh, months after it's uh, the market that tells you, okay, that paywall didn't convert, you can drop it. You you want to cry, you know. So that was the 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 main thing that I uh, that I wanted to fix in the in the app marketing uh, industry, and that this is what we provide today. Um, but uh, I really feel that uh, we came to a point in uh, app marketing where there's a lot of maturity. There's a lot of tools interconnected all together. Can be the app revenue uh, tools like uh, like Purchasely, but also like the CRM, uh, the attribution, analytics, etc. And I think that uh, in the end, there's something huge that's gonna be um, that's gonna aggregate all these. It can be a usage or a tool. But um, there's so many things to um, well to gain just by using uh, and leveraging all these tools working together. So this interconnection between the tools uh, is something that I believe will be big, especially for providing uh, more tailored uh, experiences for the users, having a better understanding of the of the users, a better, um, a, a more personalized way of addressing the users in its product journey, but also in its marketing uh, journey. Uh, so, well, um, I, I'm sure that there is uh, almost no missing pieces, but just a better usage of all the resources that um, app marketers and uh, app developers have uh, right now um, in their hands. Gotcha, Jeff. All right. That was the first part of the show, but we have the second one, which is kind of a personal. That's my chance to ask a few cool questions to every guest. So people who listen to the show have... Uh, Good chance to know them a little bit better. Here we go. So what smartphone do you have now? Uh, have you been switching between these two mega giants, Android, iOS, or you know, staying one side all the time? Uh, so I have an iPhone 12. I try to keep my smartphone three to four years. It's really, uh, it really depends on, the, on the me dropping it, which is the reason why I left my iPhone 10 uh, a year before I expected, and uh, also the battery length. So, um, right. and this is more for uh, ecological concerns. I try to keep um, three to four years for my, my smartphone 
for that uh, for ecological concerns. So iOS all the time, never, never. iOS all, iOS all the yeah. time, uh, actually. Uh, yeah. Never look the other way. Okay. I have to, I have Android test uh, smartphones, but um, I mean, uh, for work. It's really a matter of habits. Got you. Okay. Uh, your first mobile phone before uh, an iPhone, you know, came to existence into this world. What was that phone? Yeah, I'm old enough to uh, to uh, to have a to have had a smartphone before the to have had a phone before the smartphones, and I think it was an Alcatel, maybe a One Touch or something like that. I remember a small button like to navigate in small menus. You know, it had a color screen. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, well, the, the button was, uh, was broken after a few months. They had like a huge issues with this. It was an Alcatel and then, uh, Nokia. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I recently I calculated, uh, what would be the time frame where my guests on this podcast will not be able to remember a smartphone, sorry, a mobile phone before smartphone. So there are a couple more years at least to wait for that point right yeah, now, given the age of my guests. Yeah, we're, 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 we're not that old, but we're old enough to have a phone yeah. in our pocket before an iPhone, before an Android phone. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to present. Um, uh, let's say you left your phone at home. Uh, what will be missing for you? What, what feature will be missing for you when you're out? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say the rain prediction. Um, cause I ride a lot. I do everything by bike, uh, on my bike. Uh, I like, and I live in Paris, so we have rain uh, pretty often. Uh, so, uh, leaving before the rain or knowing when the rain will stop is something that is really uh, important to me. And all these uh, rain notifications, it's going to rain in 30 minutes, which gets me just the time to get home before the rain is really uh, something that I look for on uh, every day at least twice a day uh, and i would be like missing it uh, a lot otherwise well, i got everything on the small on, on my computer so i can do my daily job if i lose my smartphone but this one is uh is, is trickier because i don't get the notifications on my mac <laughs> right so uh yeah notifications about weather uh whenever i see that notification on my phone that memory from the back in the future movie comes into my mind when the doc was saying marty marty the Weather, the rain will start in 20 minutes. That's impressive how the forecast great in the future. <laughs> so that's the future my, is now. That's my favorite movie. And the future the, is now. Yeah, <laughs> the future is now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can even see the cloud and it's very precise. I got that rain today application. It's amazing uh, how precise they are for the, the clouds and hours, etc. So it's not like days in advance, but it's just perfect for uh, usage of uh, taking a bike. Oh, great. Uh, now, uh, probably, uh, you know, we're always looking for something, um, like the way to improve things. Uh, is there anything in your iPhone 12, um, just conceptually, not less or more, but just, you know, um, as a concept of hardware, software, probably both that would be great for that thing to be able to do, you know, like longer, better life or something. Is there something for you like that? For um, something in the future, for something right now? Yes, like so, like when you're look, looking at your phone and thinking, um, wouldn't it be great if my phone can do this or that or do it better, like any feature that is missing? Huh. I think um, I domesticated my iPhone uh, pretty much. 
uh, it was a hard job, but I think I can still improve on that. Uh, basically, on the focus, especially uh, handling the focus mode and uh, doing it right. Uh, so right now, just before that call, we all put it uh, our focus mode on the on the Mac and on the smartphone, etc. And I really, um, I really took it. Really took me a lot of time to make it uh, like tailor made with all the applications, etc. Like what is what is work, what is leisure, what is personal, etc. Which kind of notification that I do want to have and do not have during the day, etc. So it took me quite a lot of time. I think that could be improved with default settings, you know, or maybe onboarding specific onboarding. And this is really something that changed my day because I'm really much more focused right now uh, doing my job. And I'm also less disturbed when I'm with my kids uh, or, or in my personal day. Uh, and it's something I think that uh, Apple can could really push and also uh, Apple and Google. And also uh, one other thing is... Um, I believe the the awareness on the um, on the uh, app privacy and data privacy. They studied something with Safari, telling you which trackers, etc. But I I think I'd like to know more on all these apps and maybe uh, be able to uh, to track down uh, and also reduce the amount of personal data that I spread on the, all these uh, on all these apps is something that I would like to have even even if. That will be trickier to have a personalized experience, as I was saying in the app. But I think having control of that is something that is really important to me in the future. And for yeah, my kids, we will eventually get smartphones at some point. Yeah, I'm fine with you on all these points. I, I love my um, um, focus mode um, throughout the week. And uh, yeah, it would be great if I can adjust, um, customize them for me a little bit more efficient um a little bit quicker and um being able to a little bit more flexibility here because it's it's a great feature but i can still see there is a you know uh there's um the room for improvement so to speak yeah all right before i let you go very final question how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do oh um so they can find me on linkedin uh, I accept every connection and especially if they tell uh, that they come from that podcast. Um, we also have a purchasedly.com with a blog on which we write pretty often. Uh, the subscription league also, which is a podcast in which we invite uh, some great uh, subscription app developers where they share their specific insights uh, on their specific um, uh, markets, which is really interesting. And you get a chance to see uh, to see me uh, in a lot of uh, events, the App Promotion Summit and some uh, other events uh, throughout the globe. Um, and uh, we, were, we, are, we were in Berlin, San Francisco, London. Uh, we'll be in New York next year. Uh, in a lot of uh, different places, and um, and of course uh, they can also you can also find me on Twitter on uh, J F Greng, and uh, that's pretty much about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff, for spending time with us. Coming on the show. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. And that was Jeff Greng, co-founder and CPO at Purchasely. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just search for Business of Apps, and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe, and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please, don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.